Have you ever missed something big that was happening? Maybe you were somewhere else at the time or didn't know about it until afterward. Now, this category of missed events is quite broad, of course, ranging from things like the birth of a baby to the Barkas on Main Dog Parade last weekend. If you happen to miss that too, you should know that one of our own Christchurch dogs won the trophy for most original. So be sure to congratulate Chulupa the Chihuahua <laughs> and her human Samantha when you see them. But back to missed events. When you find out about everything that you missed, there's that wistful disappointment that comes from knowing that you weren't there. All you have is other people's retelling of what you missed. For me, a prime example of this is the 1960s. If you're doing the math, I was born just past that decade, which means that as a teenager, I had the adolescent luxury of completely romanticizing the era that I missed. I had a poster of the Beatles in my room. I would sit in cafes in the Haight-Asbury district Ashbury District of San Francisco, surrounded by images of the cultural revolution that I missed. And I imagined that I would have joined right in, taking my place among the flower children just to upset my parents. <laughs> I would frequently walk past the free speech monuments on the UC Berkeley campus, not fully understanding the complexity of the history that they conveyed but knowing that I missed something important. And I should mention that my other source of information about the 60s was a group of Roman Catholic nuns who were my high school teachers. They had made their vows under the excitement of the Second Vatican Council, filled with hope that a new era was coming in the Church. As they told us stories about that time, you could hear a bit of wistfulness in their voices which only fed my nostalgia for a decade that I missed. Now, I have outgrown idealizing the 1960s, knowing a little bit more about that history and a little bit more about myself, too. But I offer this little vignette of teenage disappointment as a possible way into the story of the road to Emmaus. While Emmaus is one of several stories of the resurrected Jesus appearing to his followers, it's really a story for us, the ones who weren't there, the ones who missed it. There was a danger, you see, that we later Christians would only have stories to go on, that we would never know Christ for ourselves because we weren't there when it all happened. That scenario would be like trying to keep our faith alive based only on a thin diet of reports of Jesus having once been seen by others a long time ago. Emmaus is one such report, but it is also the very story that frees us from only having those old stories to go on. It reveals a divine logic and action that makes it possible for us to know Jesus for ourselves all these years later. The story is beautifully told, set in the evening of Easter, 
A supposed stranger approaches two of the grieving disciples on the road. All they know at this point is that the tomb is empty. They had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel, but now all seemed lost. In a strange turn of events, the stranger on the road begins to interpret scripture to them, and their hearts start to burn within them. When they reach their destination, they invite him in as a guest. Then he comes in, and he turns into the host. The meal he serves is the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Listen to the words in the retelling. He took, blessed, broke, and gave. The very same words we use today. And as the meal is shared, Jesus is revealed. They know him in the breaking of the bread. The story is a liturgy, and it moves from word to table. As it does, the disciples know the risen Christ. Luke is telling us, we the later followers, that the living Christ is the key to our understanding of the scriptures, and that Christ is the present Lord who is revealed to us week after week in the breaking of the bread. His presence at the table makes it possible for all believers, even today, to be first-generation Christians in every sacred meeting place in Emmaus. We could have been the ones who missed it, friends, the ones who only had the old Easter stories of others to go by for our faith. But God provided a simple and very accessible avenue for us to be first-hand witnesses to the living Christ. It only takes us gathering for a story and a bit of bread to be in the presence of the living Christ. Emmaus tells us that it really is that simple and that glorious. And if you follow that divine logic, you start to see Christ being revealed in real time, in real places, in real events, just as surely a as on that first Easter evening. (coughs) Christ is at weddings, funerals, small chapel services, and large church gatherings. Christ is present in hospital rooms and living rooms. On Wednesdays, Emmaus happens in a Eucharist in the woods of Alsop Park. And on this Sunday, too, like all the others, the living Christ is surely present. I suppose I have felt like that wistful teenager who missed something big when I hear the stories of Jesus's post-resurrection appearances. Maybe you feel that too. What did Jesus look like? Why don't his followers recognize him? The accounts are marvelously strange, and I'm grateful to have the reports. But on this third Sunday of Easter, we are invited to give thanks in particular for the report from Emmaus. The one gives, that one gives Jesus to us as a living Christ in real time in this place. We haven't missed him after all. All we need, we're told, is a story and a bit of bread. And he will make himself known to us every time. Amen.